0: Are closed when I'm walking out, so I'm like, got that awkward walk on stage carrying my own podium. See, I'm not that sweet, guys. I don't have like people that do this stuff for me, it's actually me. Anyways, good evening, welcome, welcome to the downtown campus of Compassion Christian. Um, so excited that you guys are here. Before we get started, uh, I just want to pray. Uh, I mean, as you guys know, as well as I do, there's a lot of things going on in this world, there's a lot of things happening um, in our country and around the world, hard things. Even in our church community and the body of believers, there's people that are having surgery, there's, there's pain, there's hurt, there's a lot of things, and our church isn't immune to that. So before we get started, I just want to pray, and then we'll, we'll dive into God's Word. Father, I thank you for who you are. Um, I thank you for what you're doing. Um, I thank you for um, just the way that you transformed my heart and the way that you're transforming the heart of so many people in uh, this community. Lord, I thank you that... Um, You've just given us building in this place to be a light in downtown Savannah. Lord, I just pray that we become who you've called us to be. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. So um, this is the last, as Jake said, this is the last uh, sermon in the Power series kinda talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, just kinda what he does, who he is, and all these things. And so today we're gonna talk uh, about three different things. Uh, A Couple weeks ago, we read Galatians 5, Uh, 13 through 15, and it talked about, you know, that we're called to freedom, you know, but don't be tempted by the flesh, don't live in the flesh, but love one another and and love your community, love your neighbor. That's the fulfillment of the law. When we talked about community a couple weeks ago, we talked about that. And the very next verse is what we're going to be looking at. It's uh, Galatians 5, 16 through 26, if you want to look it up on your phone or turn there. That's what we're going to be diving into, and that's what we're going to be studying today because it it correlates with what we talked about earlier. They talk about this freedom, and the very next verse is a but, but be led by the Spirit. So we're gonna talk about three things. One, what does the flesh do, or what is the flesh, because we're talking about the Spirit being opposition to the flesh. Two, not what the Holy Spirit is, or who the Holy Spirit is, because last week we talked about that, and we talked about the Holy Spirit being God, but rather how do we identify what the Spirit does, or who the spirit mani- how it manifests itself personally in our lives? And the third thing is, how do we walk by the Spirit? How are we led by the Spirit? So what I want us to talk about before we get to that, is I want you to understand something that we rarely talk about in church um, because it's weird, or people have different views and different things like that. But I want to talk about kind of sin in general. Now there's three things against every single one of you at all times including myself number one there's spiritual warfare there's a spiritual reality that we live in a lot of people don't believe in that a lot of people don't think that exists media in this world has pictured satan with a red tail and pointy little horns you know and that's not the reality you see Satan, a fallen angel, rebelled against God with one-third of the angels that God created. And that's what this world is being tormented by spiritually, which is demons. And Satan is being the Lord of all those demons. Now, I want you to understand this. Because I hear this a lot, not just in our church, but in a lot of churches. People are like, oh, Satan was after me today. Or, oh, this nasty little Satan was bothering me. That's not true. Like. Sorry to burst your bubble but you're not that sweet. Like Satan's not going to be messing with you. He's not going to be messing with me. He is singular. He does not he's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. He can't be in multiple he can't be at my house and be at your house at the same time. If he's at my house, he's not at your house. So all these people talking about Satan everywhere that it's not real. It's not true. Plus honestly, he's not going to waste your time, man. I jack up and mess up all the time by myself. Like I I don't need Satan to stick his pitchfork, even though that's not real, in me. Like, so you need to understand that. That should be one, an encouragement, but two, just understand the reality of spiritual warfare. Two, the world. The world is always against you. And I'm not talking about like, the world, media and stuff. They add to it. But I'm talking disease. I'm talking cancer. I'm talking, you know, the fact that when you trip and you break your arm, like, that's part of the fall. That's part of the world. I'm talking about injustice. I'm talking about poverty. I'm talking about sand gnats. Those things are terrible. I'm talking about mosquitoes. The Zika virus everywhere. Those are part of the world. That's part of the fall. That's part of what happened when we rebelled against God. So think of that. And then the third thing is what we're going to talk about today is the flesh. That's you. (laughs) That's your heart. That's the idea that you wake up every morning because you want to be God and you want to be Lord of your life. That's the flesh. Human desires, your heart's desires. And that's what we're going to talk about. Now, I know that's a simplistic way of looking at sin, but I want you to understand that all three of those things it, multiple times in different ways are working at one time. For example, you, you stub your toe, you break your toe, and you yell at your wife. Like it, 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 It's multiple layers. It could be generational sin. It could be a lot of different things culminating in one. It's not like, oh, okay, that's the world. In my flesh. Okay, so that's two and three. This is what I need to do. Okay, no spiritual warfare here. It all works together, and it's way more complex than that, but I want you to understand how it kind of works. Now, I was watching, uh, the, I'm gonna change that. Jeff was watching The Walking Dead, and I rebuked him, because it's terrible. And he told me about this quote in this scene that, I, uh, that he saw, and it was, <laughs> turn your judging eyes, I watched The Walking Dead, It's coming out in three weeks, okay? This girl was talking to one of the main characters, and they said this quote. He said, the world is trying to die, and we should just let it. And it really hit Jeff. It really impacted Jeff. I saw this, and I heard this quote, and it, it made me think that's the state of our heart. That's the state of our flesh. That's the state of our sinful being, is that the world is... Our hearts are trying to destroy us, but God's not going to allow it, and God's not going to let that happen to us, even though so many times we think that's what it is, we're just actively rebelling against God in this life. So we're going to look at Scripture, Galatians 5, 16 through 18. We're going to start there, then we're going to go 19 through uh, 21, and then 22 through the end. For all you A people that want to know exactly where we're going, calm down. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh, you're, it, the Greek word for that is actually sarks, it's the human desires. You will not de- gratify the desires of the sarks, just that sinful nature. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these things are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under these laws. Now, I want us to understand that the main problem here is desires. Makes sense. But it's not desires in the way that we think all the time. It's not desires to do things bad. It's not desire to do bad things. It's not, oh, I'm tempted to do this or to do that. It's actually over desires for good things. I never thought about that. I know that I'm tempted and I shouldn't do bad things. I shouldn't think bad things, you blah, blah, blah. We all get that. But something that's so much more tricky is an over-desire for good things. For example, uh, water is good, but you can drown in it. If you drink too much, you'll explode. Like, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Salt is okay, you need salt in your body. But if you drink, or eat too, if you drink salt, it's gross. If you eat too much salt, you'll you'll have high blood pressure and you'll have problems. See, it's an over-desire. Let me help you understand that because Think about it this way, having a job is good, having a career is okay, but making that career a God or an over-desire to have a good career destroys families, makes you make questionable and non-integral moves. Like, I want my kids to love me, but if I only want my kids to love me, then I'm not going to discipline them. I'm going to give them whatever they want, even if it hurts them and the family. I'm not going to interject and challenge them with the truth because I'm worried that they won't love me. Maybe it's relationships, and I feel my worth comes in if I'm loved. And so I'm going to make compromise after compromise after compromise so that the person, whoever I'm with, will love me and I will feel worthy. It's an over-desire. Relationships aren't bad. Your kids loving you is not bad. Having a job isn't bad. But an over-desire for those things will destroy you. And that's what Paul is talking about to the Galatians. And we're gonna look at kind of every one of those sin attributes. And they're very general, but they're specific at the same time. So Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now, the works of the flesh that sarks, S-A-R-X, if you want to know what it is, you can look it up, are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. The first three deal with sex. The first three deal with, uh, sorry if this offends you, but sex outside of marriage. (laughs) Any impure sex, that's the first three things. Then it goes to two words that are, are dealing with religion. Next. Idolatry and sorcery. Now, it's not sorcery in the way you think Harry Potter sorcery. It's sorcery where you create or manipulate nature or relationships or philosophy with your own will or your own concepts or ideas or let the world influence it. It's more of creating your own religion. It's more of just trying to manipulate this natural world to gain something rather than, you know, Wingardi Leviosa kind of stuff. And then idolatry, anytime that you put something that's created above the creator. It could be relationships, it could be money, it could be a tree, it could be a, a, a baboon, it could be a hippo. Any time you put something that is created over the creator, that's idolatry. And I want you to understand in the next four words that everything in here is not an action. It's not something that you do. Some of them are attitudes that you have, which lead to actions. So the next four are destructive attitudes. Enmity, strife, jealousy, and fits of anger. Enmity, anything that's kind of separating you, basically the idea that you are better than somebody else or that you're trying to be better than somebody else, that in the core of your being, because of whatever reason, your intellect, your socioeconomic status, your race, your gender, whatever that is, that you believe that you're better than other people, that's enmity. Now that you understand that. Strife, any broken relationship. Strife, maybe it's you left when you are 18 from your parents' house and you haven't talked to them since. Maybe you haven't talked to your brother or sister or a friend because they broke your DVD, whatever. Whatever that broken relationship is because of something that happened, that is strife. It's an attitude. I'm not gonna talk to them. I'm gonna ignore them. I'm not gonna obey. I'm not gonna be a part of their life because of this It's an attitude, it's not an action, it's an attitude. Now actions come out of it, but it's an attitude. Jealousy, jealousy is easy. I admire that you have hair and I don't. I want your hair, I want your shoes, I want your clothes, I want your job, I want your stuff, I want your car, I want your wife, I want your husband, I want your boyfriend, I want your girlfriend, whatever it is. Jealousy, it's an attitude of I want. It's kind of like finding Nemo with those seagulls. You know, mine, mine, mine. If you haven't seen it, somebody will let you borrow it. But that's what it is. Just like in Savannah, they're horrible. They're just like I don't know, all the time pooping everywhere. It's terrible. But that's what it's like. This idea that I deserve, I want, I don't. I'm. It's not good enough. It's an attitude. It's not an action. Jealousy, and then fits of anger. Being an angry person. Being upset all the time. Being struggling basically that you feel like injustice has happened to you all the time it's a heart it's an attitude it's not blowing up which we'll get to but it's an attitude there's four attitudes which now lead to four actions rivalries enmity If I think that I'm better than you, that my my team is better than your team, I'm going to make sure my team is better than your team, or my race is better than your race, or that my culture is better than your culture, my gender is better than your gender, whatever it is, creates rivalries. Rivalries are the active pursuit of declaring that I'm better than you in every form and fashion. That's rivalries. I want you to know this and i'm going to pause real soon i'm I'm letting you know this because once you know now you're accountable once you know all these things that we talk about now you're accountable before maybe you didn't know maybe you didn't know that the desires of your heart were such as this but now that you know we can keep each other accountable that's why dissensions dissensions is not the same as divisions dissension is I don't agree with this person, there's strife in the relationship. Maybe it's the sermon. You think the sermon's terrible, that's fine, whatever. But when you go into the lobby and you say, hey, wasn't that sermon terrible? Oh, you don't think so? Let me tell you why it was terrible. And you start to bring people on your side. Maybe it's like, hey, we don't like this girl over here. Everyone on this side, let's not like this girl over here. Like that has now become sin. If you don't like it, that's fine. But once you start to bring other people to your side, And that is dissension, and it's sin. No one's ever done that before, though, so we'll just skip that one. You laughed because you did it. Um, Divisions. Division, the only division that God recognizes is those who are, between those who are redeemed and those who are waiting to be redeemed. Basically, those who are lost and those who are saved. God recognizes no other division. But so many times we divide between churches, we divide between neighborhoods, we divide between everything. Divisions. The active pursuit of putting up barriers. Now, envy. Envy is the, and we'll talk about the opposites in a second when we get to the, the fruit of the Spirit. Envy is the active pursuit of destroying something because you're jealous of it. Her, let's say, she's, you're a very pretty girl. I'm going to tell you you're ugly because I'm envious of you or your relationship or your marriage or whatever that is. It's the act of jealousy. You need to understand this. So, four of the attitudes create four of the um, actions, and it continues on with the last two, drunkenness and orgies. Now, orgies, all you messed up mind people is not what you're thinking. It actually means, in the Greek, substance abuse. Drugs. Alcohol, substance abuse, drunkenness, and substance abuse. Those are the two things that it finally ends with. Anything that you use to numb or anesthetize the behaviors in your life or the pain in your life because you don't want to deal with it or any way that you're trying to escape this world or control your world or whatever it is and not let God be in control. That's what it's talking about with drunkenness and orgies. I, I wish it was translated as substance abuse, but it's Okay. Paul continues, and things like these, I warn you as I've warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a very scary verse because everyone in this room has done those things, including myself. I have had strife. I've had divisions. I've thought that I'm better than you. I've thought that I'm smarter than you. All these things. I hope my sermon is better than their sermon. So people will come. (laughs) I sin. So am I not going to inherit the kingdom of God? No. No. And neither will you, because you need to understand this. When you start not to seeing, when you, when you see these things as not an issue, when these things become okay with you, that's when the problem happens. When division and strife and jealousy and all these things become a normal reality for you and their habitual sins, that is when I say, Paul's talking to you. Paul's talking to you about not inheriting the kingdom. But if you are infrequent, repentant of these things, then yes, that's just part of you growing and becoming a believer in Christ. So hear me on that. Don't freak out with that verse. So, what does the spirit look like? Because if the flesh looks like this, the spirit's got to look like something. Something. Verse 22, but the fruit singular, remember that, we're gonna get back to it. Fruit singular of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control, and against such things there is no law. I'm gonna stop there. I've been reading this book, and it's a great book, Tim Keller's Galatians for You, and I'm gonna read from this book because he de- defines each and every one of these. And wh- why I'm reading this is because with words he's exact, and I wanna be exact. Because so many times in our culture, in the way we speak, we say things like, I, I love my wife. I love cheeseburger. I love food. You know, like, I lo- like, I love my dog. They're not the same degrees as love. And if those of you th- think it is, you're wrong. Because I'm not. I love my wife more than I love food. Okay? But that's what we think. We use words and we don't understand. So, okay, fruit of the spirits, love. Okay, that's cool. What does it mean? Joy, peace. Patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness. What does goodness mean? Makes me think of Glenda the Goodwitch. Like, what does that mean? Please give me a definition of that. I didn't even really understand it until I kind of dug deeper. What is goodness? Is it being good? No, it's not. So I want to read these for you. And if you need a picture of this, it's online, we posted it this morning. Um, Or you can take a picture of this afterwards. But I'm going to read each and every one of these and you're going to understand what Paul is talking about. So love. It means to serve a person for their good and intrinsic value, not for what the person brings to you. Love means to care about somebody for the sake of caring about them, not what they can offer to you, or not so they can make you feel better about yourself. Purely because you care and love them because they're created by God. That love. I'm going to give you the opposite of it, too. I'm going to help you understand both sides because I think it will help us understand the flesh a little bit more. Its opposite is fear, self-protection, and abusing people. Counterfeit love, fake love, is selfish affection where you are attracted to someone and treat them well because of how they make you feel about yourself. Basically, abusing somebody else because it makes you feel better about yourself. Fake love. You care about them, you dote on them, you, you take them to dinner, you, you love them because it makes you feel loved rather than just loving them for the sake of loving them. If you brought somebody here on a date, I'm sorry, because they're not gonna talk to you after this. Anyways, joy, a delight in God for the sheer beauty and worth of who he is. Its opposite is hopelessness or despair and its counterfeit fake joy is an elation that is based on an experiencing blessing, not the blesser, causing mood swings based on circumstances. Basically, how you feel in a moment about a sermon or a song or God. Not that you trust who he is because of the beauty and sheer majesty of God, but rather how you feel in the moment. Oh, the coffee was kind of cold, and man, I had a bad day, and you walk in, I don't like this church. That your mood swings based on how you feel in a moment. That's counterfeit joy. Or, man, I really like this song. I don't really like the next song. And your experience with God moves and swings just with the tide of what song or sermon's being preached. Real joy is a delight in God for the sheer beauty and worth of who He is. Peace. Meaning a confidence and rest in the wisdom and control of God rather than in your own. It replaces anxiety and worry. The fake version of peace is indifference, apathy, not caring about something. Real peace is saying God's in control. Even though there's a hurricane right now in my life and a storm, that God's in control. The fake reality of peace is apathy. Nah, not my problem. Not my issue. I'm not gonna look at that injustice in this world. I'm not gonna look at what's going on because then I'll have to deal with it and I'll have peace because if you look at it, you're gonna have to deal with it. And so the fake form of peace is, yeah, you have peace and calm, but you're not dealing with anything. Maybe it's a sin issue in your life and you're just like, nope, not my issue, not my problem, a relationship breakdown, whatever it is. You're like, I'm not gonna deal with that. That's fake peace. Patience. An ability to face trouble without blowing up or hitting out. Its opposite is resentment towards God and others. And its counterfeits are cynicism or lack of care. This is too small to care about. You go to the grocery store, you're standing in line, whatever, I'm leaving. That's not patience. That's you just don't care. You're cynical. Kindness which is the ability to serve others practically in a way which makes you and me vulnerable. The ability to serve others which makes you vulnerable, which comes from having a deeper inner security. Its opposite is envy, which leaves me unable to rejoice in another's joy. And its fake alternative is manipulative good deeds. Doing good for others so I can congratulate myself and feel I am good enough for others and I'm good enough for God. Goodness or integrity. Being the same person in every situation rather than a phony or a hypocrite. This is not the same as being always truthful but not always loving. Getting things off your chest just to make you feel or look better. Goodness is integrity, being the same person at work and at home and alone in the car, rather than promoting yourself publicly or with your friends or at work to get a point across that makes you look like you have integrity, to make you look like you're better than you know you really are, but rather being authentic. Faithfulness, loyalty, or courage, to be, utter, to be utterly reliable and true to your Word, Its opposite is to be an opportunist, a friend only in good times. And its counterfeit is to be loving but not truthful so that you're never willing to confront or challenge. To be that friend that everyone wants to hang out with, to be the friend that everyone wants to be a part of because you've never confronted any issues, that you've never spoken truth into a life, or to be a friend that, oh, wow, you, you just tried out for American Idol? Oh, let's hang out. Let's do this, or... Man, what can I, oh, you just started a business? Oh, I'd love to come and see that. Maybe you can hook me up with some food. It's to be an opportunist to take advantage of people. That's the opposite of faithfulness. It's okay, buddy. I understand. I have kids. I'm not upset. It's not bothering me. Gentleness, humility, self-forgetfulness. Because, honestly, I'm going to do a little sidebar. Because it's stressful when you're a parent and you have a kid and there's other people and you think you're being distracting and all this stuff. It's okay. We're a family here. We have kids. It's okay, buddy. Gentleness, humility, self-forgetfulness. The opposite is to be superior or self-absorbed. Maybe he just doesn't like the sermon. <laughs> Anyways. <to be laughs> the opposite is to be self- superior or self-absorbed. Humility is not the same as in inferiority. Being meek, being somebody who let you let people walk on top of you, being someone who doesn't stand up for truth, that's not being humble. That's being weak. Humility is speaking truth in love. Humility is serving others and caring about one another. It's not being inferior. And finally, self-control. And this one, this one really hit me the ability to pursue the important over the urgent, rather than always being impulsive or uncontrolled. The slightly surprising opposite of self-control is willpower. Never heard that before. But willpower is based in pride. I can do this on my own strength. I'm going to go to the gym. Everyone has willpower in January. In February, it's gone. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work out. I'm going to do all these things. It's based on my own ability I'm in control rather than self-control, what's based in God, where it's gonna say, hey, I'm gonna take a step back and I'm not gonna gratify my desires through the flesh or I'm gonna eat that whole cake. It's crazy, you never think everyone's like, oh, you gotta have the willpower not to do that. No, you need to have the self-control, which comes from the fruit of the Spirit, which comes from God. So how do we walk by the Spirit? But what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? It means to be changed. It means to be changed to be the person that you want to be. It's to be changed and to have been changed by the Spirit. Every person in this room wants to be a good husband, a good father, a good parent, a good friend. You want to have integrity. You want to have joy. You want to have peace. You want to have patience. We all want, no one's in here and saying, I, I'm, I want to be a bad husband or I want to be a bad friend. None of us think that way. But the only way we can be who God designed us to be is by the Spirit. How do you get the Spirit? We talked about this last week by accepting Jesus Christ. So what does it look like? We remember I mentioned the word fruit, singular. A lot of people say the fruits of the Spirit, fruit, singular. Anybody farm? Anybody have a farm? Anybody like to garden? You like to garden? Okay. So when you plant something, what does it, hopefully, what does it do? It grows. It grows, right? So I'm going to talk about four things that fruit does. One, as this gentleman said, fruit grows. And it doesn't happen quickly. Fruit grows gradually. Fruit grows gradually. You don't become a believer in Christ and it's like, I'm joyful I'm so happy I've got all the patience in the world now it doesn't happen like that it grows gradually two it's inevitable this is more of an encouragement to you fruit comes when it comes I don't know but it does come fruit is inevitable when you plant a tree fruit will come it grows slowly but it will come Third thing, it produces inner, deeper roots. Hear me on this. What do I mean by that? It's not characteristics or traits. It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm, I, that, that guy's really nice this week. Or this person, oh, they were really kind to me last week. But rather, it's deeper than that. It's your actual heart and flesh being transformed. Transformed. Being transformed into the person that actually loves people for their intrinsic value, rather than just loving them because you're trying to get something. And the fourth thing is it's symmetrical. If you've ever seen fruit grow, it's not like, oh, the seed comes and then the skin comes and then all these things. It's a little apple, becomes a bigger apple, and a bigger apple, and a bigger apple. It happens all at the same time. Paul is specific when he uses that agricultural term and he says, fruit you don't just get love, you don't just get peace, you don't just get kindness and goodness, you get them all. And they grow at the same time. That should be an encouragement and exciting for those who are believers in Christ. Remember, I'm going to read this. Remember that you belong to Christ. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, or over-desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceit, provoking one another, envying one another. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Remember that Jesus Christ crucified the flesh and over desires on the cross. So how do we keep in the Spirit? Practically. Let's practically keep in step with the Spirit. So every one of you has one of these in um, your bulletin. You can take it out now. We're going to talk about it. So the front has uh, the Old Testament, kind of lays it out, creation, Joseph, kind of gives you a chronological view of the Old Testament uh, with color coding and all these different things. It goes to the New Testament, history or the Gospels, the beginning of the church, letters that Paul wrote to the church and other people wrote to the church, um, individual letters to people, and then general epistles. I just saved you $800 in a First year Bible one-on-one class. You can put it in the offering plate when you leave. You're welcome. This is for you to help you understand what you're reading and going through. On the back gives you some practical tips and ideas on how to do this. How are you led by the Spirit? Well, you've got to know what the Spirit is. You've got to know who the Spirit is, and it's God. So how do you get to know God? You read His Word, who, which was authored by the Spirit. So if you wanna know what God is like, you need to look at scriptures and more specifically, look at Jesus. So just like the gym, you invite a partner. If you just walk into the gym and you're like, I'm gonna do this by myself, you'll go once, maybe twice a year, because you don't wanna go by yourself. So invite somebody to do this with you. Maybe it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's me, whatever, fine. Invite somebody. How often are you gonna read? What are you gonna talk about? All these things, direction. Back to the gym analogy. If you walk into the gym and you just start pulling on stuff, you're gonna hurt your back and you're gonna look like an idiot. If you run on the treadmill for 10 minutes and then you go over here and you do lap machine, you're not gonna get bigger or stronger or faster in any way. You're not gonna look like that guy. He's buff. You have to have direction. He is, seriously. He'll be in the lobby afterwards. If I go in with a purpose to work on my back, I'm gonna work on my back or my legs. Or if I'm gonna work on cardio, I'm gonna work on cardio. But if I just go in haphazard, it's not gonna work. For example, we can play the old roulette game. The Ark placed in a tent and they brought in the Ark of God and said, I'm bored. Like, that's what so many times we do when we read scripture, you need direction, you need clarity. If you wanna work on relationship, Read scripture about relationship. If you want to work on pride, work on pride. If you want to look on anger, read about anger. It's tilling and fertilizing the soil so that fruit can grow. Find somebody like you. If you're single and you want to talk to another single, hey, let's read scripture together. Okay, what do you want to read? Well, let's read the gospel so we can see what Jesus is like. Cool, let's read Mark 1. Great. Mondays we'll read Mark 1 and then continue on. And there's tons of stuff in there and questions to ask and... what length of time, identify a time and place, how much will you read daily, what type of study. You can do a devotional. Read with a prayerful spirit. God, what are you speaking to me? Or digging. Oh, I'm going to read. Oh, they use this word. Oh, what sarks? Oh, I'm going to look up sarks in a Greek dictionary, and I'm going to dig into the word. Okay, great. Or you can do a survey. I'm going to read five chapters about Genesis, Genesis 1 through 5, because I'm just going to get a survey of what's going on. Whatever... Whatever tickles your fancy, do it. Whatever is good for you and your soul. Now hear me on this. These aren't guides for you to gain Jesus or to become a better Christian or any of these things. These are things to help you be led by the Spirit which grows you. Some people read, pray, they dig, and they memorize Scripture. For me, I use the soap acrostic. S-O-A-P, for those of you who don't know how to spell soap. Scripture, for example, I'll use John, John 3. I read John 3, John 3. Oh, wow, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Man, that really affects my heart. Now I'm going to observe that scripture. Whatever it is, I read through all John 3, but man, that one impacted me. Wow, God loves the world. Okay, A, application. How does that apply to me? Well, I'm part of this world. God loves me. Okay. Prayer. God, help me to recognize that you love me and that you love this world. Help me to love the world like you love the world. There's your devotional. You are now walking in the Spirit. It's as simple as that. There's tons of other things. I'm going to give you a couple more. There's breath prayer. This is something I did in high school, and I'm actually going to get back into. Anytime you walk through a door, you pray. Not get on your knees and pray and throw oil on people. I mean, you could do that. It's weird, and everyone's going to look at you, and you're going to waste a ton of time, and then you're going to quit after a week. But anyways, simple as this. Okay, for me, I'm going to pray for my son, James, today. Okay, every time I walk through a door, in my head, out loud, whatever you want, just God help my son, God make sure my son's safe. Anytime you walk through a door, next morning, marriage, God help me in my marriage, whatever it is, and it's triggered by you walking through a door. Now don't just walk around the square and be like, I'm never praying today, that's rebellion and that's a problem. But if you walk through a door, just think about it, and be. it's a breath prayer, it's super simple. I'm telling you these things because it's easy but the problem is your flesh is in opposition to the spirit and you don't wanna do these things. You think dieting is hard? This is way harder. Next, there's tons of apps. He reads truth, she reads truth, we read truth, they read truth, everyone reads truth. You can download this app, she reads truth. It's specifically geared towards women, all ages, different ages, all these different things. They have screenshots you can put, I have it on my phone. I don't remember what it is now, I look like an idiot, but whatever. But eventually I'm going to memorize it, because it could be on back of my screen for a month, and I'm going to memorize that scripture. And I'm going to put that on my thing, and I'm going to read it. It has a devotional plan for guys, you know, read it, and it's free. You know, there's YouVersion, which is a Bible app, and you can get different plans, how to pray. Oh, there's a 14-day prayer plan, there's a 14-day relational plan, there's a 60-day Bible plan, whatever it is. Whatever you can use to help you, these are practical things that you can do. I love the Logos Bible app, it's L-O-G-O-S. You can download old, like, different devotionals. One of the ones that I love is Spurgeon's Morning-Evening Devotion. It's one verse explanation in the morning and then another verse explanation at night. Super simple, super easy. Why do I tell you these things? Not because you have to do this. If you don't do it, I don't care. I mean, I care because I love you, but I don't care because it doesn't change your relationship with Jesus. God still loves you. Jesus still died for you. This is about you walking in the Spirit. If you want to walk in the Spirit, if you want to be led by the Spirit, these are the, some of the things that you can do. Everyone's always, oh, man, I, I just wish I read the Bible more. Oh, man, I just wish I, was, I could destroy that part of sin in my life. Well, you can't. Focus on God, focus on Jesus, he will put death to sin. Your angle will be destroyed when you start understanding where it comes from. All these things will start to be destroyed in your life. The flesh will be suppressed because the spirit will overtake it because now you are accountable. Now you understand what the problem is. When you start to love that person because they can benefit you, you'll know in your heart, I need to take a step back. When you have frustration about the service for whatever reason, Take a step back, whatever it is, if you're not patient, if you're frustrated, whatever it is, take a step back and start to see this is not me. This is not my reality. This is the flesh. What does it mean to be led by the spirit? Now I'll say this again, you cannot be led by the spirit if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. No book, no devotional, no nothing is gonna help you. No good advice. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ will transform your heart. Then you can be led by the Spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit's been waiting for Jesus to die so that he could engage our hearts. It's one of the most beautiful things in Scripture. So understand that these are practical things. That's why this is for you in your bulletin. If you want a picture of this book or a copy of this book, come talk to me. Whatever you need to be led by the Spirit, that's what you need to do. Is just seek the Spirit Day in and day out. Just the natural rhythms of your life. I talked to a teacher earlier and I said, hey, whenever you walk into your office and you drop your bag at your desk, read one scripture. I'm not asking you to add anything, to wake up 30 minutes earlier, just something that you naturally do. Before Jeff watches the walking dead, read a chapter of scripture with his wife. You know you're going to watch it. Sit down and read scripture. Just natural things that happen in your life. Every time you get a latte in the morning, while you're waiting in line to get your latte, pray. It doesn't have to be eloquent or or magnificent, just pray. Then it's not willpower. You're not forcing yourself to doing something. You're being led by the spirit day in and day out. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. Um, I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you that we can be led by the spirit I thank you that, Lord, you're revealing in my heart just the flesh. You're you're revealing things that I don't notice all the time. That that willpower is actually opposite or contradictory to self-control. Father, continue to shape my heart and my mind and help me understand and see more frequently than I do the flesh in my own heart. Make it more infrequent. Help me to repent more. Pray all these things in Jesus' name.